Hello everyone. Uh, welcome to the MSc podcast on the confluence of agri-finance and technology. I am Sunil Bhatt and I work as an associate partner in digital financial services at MSc. Over the last one decade, I have been providing consulting support to different types of financial institutions such as banks, digital wallet providers, fintechs and uh, multi-country donor projects. So I'll be your moderator for today's session. So India is home to about 146 million farmers and 86% of whom are small and marginal farmers. Although agriculture uh, is a key economic activity in India and employs about 55% of the population, access to finance remains one of the most critical challenges for most farmers. And it's mainly for the small and marginal segment. On the other side, when we look at uh, the technology advancements in India, uh, the Digital India campaign with a vision to transform India into a digitally empowered society and knowledge economy has made remarkable progress over the last few years. Uh, with world-class payments infrastructure provided by NPCI uh, in the form of UPI, IMPS and others, uh, the Indian digital ecosystem is closely watched uh, and followed by other nations. Today, we are here to discuss this most important topic uh, on the confluence of agri-finance and technology. Uh, joining me today are two experts from the agri-domain. Our first guest, uh, uh, Mr. Hemendra Mathur, needs no introduction in the agri-space in India. With a career spanning over 24 years in venture capital and investment banking, uh, Hemendra has been working with Bharat Innovation Fund at CII.co, I am Ahmedabad, as a venture partner. He is also the co-founder of ThinkAg, uh, which is a, a non-profit platform which supports agri-based startups in innovation and investment. He's an authority when it comes to matters on agriculture and agri-allied sectors. So welcome, Himendra. Thank you. Yeah. Our second guest today is uh, Prathmesh Kant, uh, whom I call as a dreamer and an entrepreneur. Uh, Prathmesh is a co-founder and CEO of Agwa, uh, which is an agri-fintech startup uh, that is working on the agenda of financial inclusion and digitization and currently focused on providing post-harvest and input-based credit financing to farmers. Uh, EGWA works in rural channel partners uh, uh, on, uh, to efficiently deliver low-cost capital in a transparent and data-driven manner, ensuring low delinquency rates. To that extent, EGWA has been uh, at the forefront when uh, it comes to the usage of uh, technology in its operations. Prathmesh is a computer science graduate from IIT Kanpur and after graduation he has worked uh, in different companies like Adobe and Goldman Sachs. Today he will talk to us about his experiences in, and challenges in uh, setting up EGWA. So some background before I dive in. Uh, MSc conducted a study on this topic of agri-finance and we distributed the farmers into three broad categories, uh, small, medium and large, uh, depending on their respective land holdings. A significant finding from this study was the disparity in the access uh, to formal and informal finance that was prevalent in the three farmer categories. Uh, our analysis uh, indicated that despite the government of India's policy to encourage agriculture lending, approximately 29% uh, of farmers uh, enjoy access to credit from uh, formal sources. And of the small and medium uh, farmers uh, who comprise about 86% of total farmer population, approximately half were unable to borrow uh, either from formal or informal sources. And uh, of those small and uh, uh, medium farmers that do borrow, uh, about 59% accessed formal credit, while the remaining 41% relied only on informal credit. 
right? Uh, just looking at some numbers, the agricultural credit flow has increased uh, in India by about 266% from US dollars 51 billion in, in uh, financial year 1516 to about 187 billion dollars uh, in uh, financial year 1920 uh, as a result of the mandated PSL policies of the Reserve Bank of India. Also in uh, 2019-20, banks disbursed an agricultural credit of about 187 billion and three-fourths of which came from the commercial banks. Also, if you look at the interest subvention scheme, which is another important scheme uh, of the government, uh, the, the allocation also increased from US dollars 1.7 billion in 2016 to US dollars 2.2 billion in 2019-20. So with this background, let me start with you, Prathmesh. Uh, you have been operating in this space for the last two to three years, and you have been closely working with farmers and providing them solutions on financing. In your own experience of having worked with smallholder farmers, what gaps do you see? Uh, despite all the importance of agriculture and its contribution to employment, there are some major agri-financing gaps faced by small and marginal farmers. And as we move towards this digital era, uh, what are some of the challenges for financial institutions to lend to farmers and agri-based SMEs? Yeah, your response, uh, Prathamesh. Yeah, thanks. Uh... Thanks for uh, introducing me and uh, bringing me to this uh, panel. So, um, so yeah, that's a, this is a very good question. And the gaps in general, right? So, uh, the large, the three larger verticals of agri finance, right, which we talk about: input financing, post harvest financing, and uh, equipment financing, right? So now, uh, starting with input financings, what what are the major gaps, right? So first of all, the intentions of government, right, uh, in order to infuse money to uh, for inputs for farmers has been there, and uh, the default uh, the default channel has been uh, NABAD, uh, District Cooperative Central Bank, Primary Agriculture Credit Societies, and Farmers Mechanism. Uh, uh, and 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 through this channel uh, money money has been infused uh, to farmers and this happens to be number one preferred source uh, for farmer to raise money for inputs so over a period of time now this channel has uh, either been obstructed or blocked or completely gone away and this has to do with uh, concerns around uh, recoverability lack of transparency and also uh, schemes like loan waiver incentivizes uh, not so good behavior Right. So there are likes of some uh, some uh, some uh, districts, example, Bid in Maharashtra, where DCCB, bank, the bank has gone under liquidation and this channel has gone. Then there are districts like Gulbarga in, uh, in Karnataka, uh, where uh, money is there and uh, being circulated uh, within DCCB to farmers, but there is no fresh financing coming from Nabad. And then there are still uh, good districts like Rajkot, where PAX is still healthy and uh, fresh funding from Nabad is coming, right? So you now this channel has been obstructed. The second most preferred uh, source of raising money is uh, from uh, likes of banks like uh, State Bank of India and then uh, the second category of banks uh, for uh, most accessible to farmer are Grameen banks, either Karnataka Grameen Bank or Maharashtra Grameen Bank, like uh, banks of uh, these categories. So now first time when a farmer approaches these banks, they would get financing and against their land record RTC, right? But but, uh, but if there is some default delinquency NPA, then this channel again gets obstructed. And of course, uh, 
uh, things like loan waiver incentivizes uh, bad behavior right so over a period of time what happens when this channel also goes away then uh, input financing for most farmer defaults to informal in informal uh, financing right so for uh, so farmers uh, enter into relationship with local financiers and of course these uh, money apart from high interest rate also comes with some riders right and we all know what happens later right so that's that's the that's the story of input and 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 a major gap right uh, so formalizing informal finance is in general the gap which we are talking about now coming to post harvest now this segment completely uh, relies on informal financing and and the requirement for farmer in post harvest is either this has to do with whether farmers produce uh, gets released to market immediately or it's a deferred release to market if it's a deferred release to market then storage based financing is what a farmer requires and again uh, storage based financing is mostly being used by aggregators uh, traders not by farmers so that's a that's a, that's a gap and then uh, and then talking about immediate release to market receivable financing is what farmer requires in case there is a payment cycle especially for the preferred channels of sales which typically pays higher but then uh, there is there is typically a payment cycle right so uh, so that uh, relies uh, on informal financing or farmer simply chooses to wait for the payment right and talking about equipment financing vertical uh, mostly the larger equipments are covered and financed but it's mostly small and medium size equipments example is drip irrigation installation in farms where uh, where uh, there there is gap so these are the larger gaps uh, talking about agri finance and the next part to your question was essentially uh, what are the challenges in lending to farmer right so top challenges right so number one um and, and no prizes for guessing that right concerns around recoverability so what if i give uh, just giving money to farmer is easy we have to take it back also right so, and uh, the the uh, the second cha challenge is around uh, not enough data available in usable form to support underwriting there is data right but uh, but that data requires to be uh, converted to a usable form and that then that data can be used only then lot of uh, farmers can come under financial inclusion category so that's challenge number 2 and and the final challenge has to do with cost right so so effectively if anyone tries to work at a layer closer to farmers then cost of uh, customer acquisition and and cost of operation goes up right and that's that's uh, that that's a challenge so these are the larger challenges yeah yeah thanks thank you prathamesh uh, thanks a lot for uh, for, uh, for bringing out this dynamics uh, uh, so clearly so let's move to uh, himendra uh, himendra you have been working uh, with some of these emerging uh, agri uh, agri techs such as uh, agua right uh, also in recent years we have seen that there is a major surge uh, in the agri startups in india so if you look at the investment also uh, it has significantly gone up uh, as per um, your your own report uh, by in think ag yeah. uh, from about uh, usd 160 million in 2016 to about uh, uh, usd 656 million in 2019 there was a blip in 2020 but but uh, to yeah. 409 million but it's expected that it it, it will go up right uh, looks like ag tech is the most uh, promising sector that way uh, and also in in this pandemic as well agriculture was one of the most uh, uh, top performing sectors uh, when you compare it with other other sectors as well 
Now, if you focus a little bit more on the lending ag techs, uh, can you talk a little bit more on the key business uh, business models of, of uh, some of these ag techs? And according to you, how uh, are they making a difference in this space? Uh, thanks, Sunil. Thanks very much. Uh, and thanks, MSC, for this opportunity. Uh, to your question, uh, I would say there are solutions in the ag fintech space for crop loans for post-harvest loans and for loans to ancillary industries. And to my knowledge, there are at least 15 plus ag fintechs who have demonstrated POC and working with multiple banks and NBFCs uh, on uh, innovative financing solutions to farmer and value chain. Now, if you look at very specific solutions, I think it's very interesting segmentation. And I think Pratmesh pointed it out, the biggest, one of the biggest challenge to lend to farmers is data. So I would say data and digitization, digitization is the core of any solution that we are seeing in Ekfin. Okay. Uh, so let's start with, let's look at the entire loan cycle, starting with the farmer onboarding KYC. What I see there, a lot of digital solution, you know, essentially we call it digital or digital assist, where we have an army of trained uh, people on the ground who go to farmers typically using their smartphones or digital uh, or tablets they upload a lot of data about farmer and some documents which can help uh, on farmer onboarding which is the first and foremost task when any bank wants to lend to the farmers mm, there are many regional players the one i work with one is called hesa in telangana uh, andhra who's doing a phenomenal job working with about 5000 micro entrepreneurs uh, who in turn go to farmers and get the data. There's Frontier Markets in Rajasthan. There is a PAD in Gujarat. So we have such multiple such players who are specializing in digital models and, and help banks in getting farmer on board and also do some bit of KYC. Second, which is extremely important, is farmer credit scoring. Right? I think that is one challenge because a lot of farmers don't have transaction data. Right? Like in most of the urban settings, we most of us have Sybil score and for when any bank is lending, they'll look at the score and decide a credit worthiness. And as you rightly pointed out, you know, significant part of farm, farming population doesn't have access to institutional credit. So there's no transaction history. So I think that's where the innovation is required. And we are seeing uh, multiple startups who are capturing data about the farmer and the farm, the crop they are growing, the farm area, the potential income opportunity, and this is possible because we are using multiple devices right from satellite imagery to drones to in some cases sensors and IIT and of course smartphones to capture this data. And I think there are multiple startups just to name a few, uh, CropIn, Sideshow, Niruti, Earth Analytics, RMSI, Mental Labs, Vara Registry, who have done a good job of you know capturing this data and using this alternate data point uh, for scoring the, uh, you know, farmer for lending to farmers. And in addition, it also in a way helps in uh, risk assessment, risk monitoring and risk mitigation. So the job doesn't end by providing a score, but typically most of these companies have real time dashboards. So sitting in a branch in Mumbai or Delhi, a bank manager can see what is the status of the crop assets in the villages? You know, 
uh, are there any red flags are, are there any flooding uh, situation you know uh, are there any pest attacks and they can figure out harvest schedules and which can also help in loan recovery so very interesting model and i can tell you a lot of banks at least private sector banks has started up, uh, onboarding these solutions and integrated with the legacy systems uh, loan recovery i think very valid point made by prathmesh you know these innovations go for a toss if your recovery percentages are not uh, optimal but again we are seeing a bunch of innovations there uh, one is direct recovery from farmers of course a bit challenging but i think a lot of startups are working on it uh, and of course prathmesh can talk about it but i know there are many others like gray matter technologies in bihar who are hiring uh, local entrepreneurs uh, who do this work uh, uh, in terms of going to each farmer and recovering after the uh on a monthly basis i think they have an emi model some have a crop uh, bullet payment model where you go to farmers at the end of the crop cycle and recover the loan um, then there are some interesting tripartite models between the lender the farmer and the buyer of the produce and buyer could be trader or it could be a institutional buyer or it could be a horeca modern trade or ecom uh, i think samunuti does a lot on that uh, you know they they land wherever there's a clear market linkage um another important as aspect of uh, lending is linking credit to input purchase because that's what is needed right and i think that's where also uh, we have seen innovations where lot of startups uh, assess the credit limit of farmers uh, so if there is going paddy there'll be credit limit if there is going be it will be different credit limit and on the basis of figure out how much credit is required and then they select certain retailers in the vicinity and go ask farmer to go there and buy inputs uh, against the credit limit so very interesting uh, way to link credit to the input purchase and again there are startups like jay kisan plantex unity who have demonstrated at some scale so this is on the crop loan side on the post harvest side also i think there's a huge opportunity it's a highly underpenetrated market and we are seeing all players you know who are into warehousing uh, and similar services uh, developing a digital layer so like soft star agri or go are collateral uh, you know everyone is trying to build a digital layer which can help farmers locate the warehouse do quality assessment uh, store the produce track the produce bank need not go to the warehouse they get intimation they can uh, create a pledge and and then these platforms provide farmer an option to sell they give daily quotes on the price and with the press of the button farmer can sell the produce and money goes to the bank uh, to repay the loans and balance comes to the farmer so again a interesting innovation which is making post harvest lending much more efficient and hopefully it will increase the size of the market uh, ancillary industries again a very critical element uh, particularly in the context that we need to diversify our farm income to other possible income sources and that's where dairy poultry aqua and fisheries play a very important role again uh, uh, we are seeing digitization of the supply chains like in dairy we have uh, you know scallops uh, we have promethean uh, move farms you know who are facilitating cattle loans in poultry we have like so poultry moon and agos who are uh, working with poultry farmers and integrators so that farmers can get the loan in aqua and fisheries we have like so aqua connect and uh, numerate who are again trying to digitize the supply chain and hopefully which can improve lending to these farmers so this is i would say the overall picture uh, and i am very hopeful 
that uh, we we're going to get more ecfintechs given the size of the opportunity very interestingly a lot of ecfintech are also pivoting to uh, financing opportunity they they may not be lending through their own books but they are becoming channel partner for other banks and nbfc so that they can lend so i'll stop here uh, over to you sunil thanks <laughs> thanks a lot uh, himendra for this uh, you know very interesting overview on the uh, business models uh, of actech very fascinating actually so let me move to prathmesh uh, and, and let's get a little bit deeper uh, into the credit products right uh, because um, and we are talking of agri finance largely uh so the agri ecosystem uh, offers multiple types of credit products which are offered by financial institutions right and uh, you uh, prathamesh you have had the experience of designing credit products for your farmers in gulbarga and around uh, that that happens to be your uh, you, your field that way so can you throw some light uh, on on how technology is enabling you to negotiate some of the challenges which you mentioned uh, earlier uh, in in agri financing and what has been your experience uh, of the farmer segments uh, with the use of such technology so so do you feel that uh, they like it or are there uh, are there some challenges which which we need to focus on thanks yeah so um, coming to how how is technology helping right uh, giving more credit to farmer and causing financial inclusion right so of course digitization is one thing that technology is bringing right and with digitization of course many new possibilities open up right now being more specific right so one key area where technology is really helping is uh, uh, pulling in data from uh, new data sources simple example is rtc land record data uh, for example in karnataka state uh, land record data is all present online and digitized in most most of the states of india it is already already uh, digitized right so uh, so we we have been able to actually uh, make use of that particular data now talking about rtc rtc has some useful information uh, apart from uh, one is the acreage land acreage a farmer has that's a useful piece of information and another uh, useful piece of info information on rtc is any outstanding principal on any loan taken uh, from um, a formal bank would uh, and above above 25000 would be reported on rtc right so that's a very useful uh, piece of data all uh, all available and technology is actually um, making it happen right and of course we uh, we are not uh, alone in building the technology right government makes some effort right rtc uh, putting all the, those data online and 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 many other government uh, department data online right and and if we talk about kyc so currently uh, we use aadhar and we use the uh, the second document for a farmer is rtc and the third document is a voter id in the order of preference right uh, but then there can be new data which can be generated in a digital way example can be ration card right uh, if uh, so which can come up in future of course uh, all 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 that data has to be converted into digital form and then uh, some apis or or some scraping mechanism uh, has 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 to happen in order to make use of that data right so of course with more data uh, with uh, data analytics uh, better underwriting and financial inclusion would happen right that's one big area and then the second key area is essentially uh, more around operations right so we use technology for operations so um, imagine the traditional operation right so uh, there are multiple stakeholders so communication between stakeholders is a challenge and uh, and any gaps in communi 
communication can be a disaster right so uh, technology uh, technology is simply uh, making those communications happen in a very effective effective manner right technology can also reduce uh, exa- I, giving one example of usage of technology that can actually cut down uh, conversation time between two stakeholders is so let's say two parties agree uh, are, are essentially uh, negotiating on a price of 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 certain quality of a produce and often uh, distinct uh, distinction between uh, conversations around quality and conversations around price uh, are, are is 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 non existent right so the two conversations gets mixed with each other right and and hence uh, we can imagine the amount of fiasco right so for a simple example let's say uh, when if two parties can pre agree upon some some pricing based on existing benchmark published benchmark on daily basis so let's say index right plus some spread if if two parties agree on, agrees on that okay then then essentially that communication becomes uh, very easy right and and uh, the the time time taken to agree upon a, a mutually uh, a mutual rate that time gets uh, cut down and 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 uh, makes process efficient right communication and then essentially running the process running the entire operations process so, uh, there technology really helps right and uh, and the way people use technology it can be apis or it can be a mobile app and uh, as as himendra said right uh, phys- physical plus digital digital phys- right so many people use we have also used digital uh, right digital F- mechanism of uh, of essentially uh, completing the entire documentation process from farmers end doing their kyc right uh, but uh, but then uh, direct farmer facing app is also a, a good uh, good possibility and we have also launched our direct farmer facing app right and of course uh, adaptability needs to uh, needs to increase right that's another area where uh, technology really uh, gives uh, right and of course uh, with adoption of technology and more so from farmer many new new possibilities would open up and more importantly the cost the cost would be significantly cut down the cost of uh, underwriting cost of financing so these are some uh, technology leverages right and of course if if someone is working on satellite uh, imagery data those kind of uh, technology then number crunching and applying big big data and analytics right so of course that that has a lot of value now coming to farmers experience with technology right so so uh, initially right so there is a general reluctance no uh, so uh, not so for farmer right rather this is true for any any customer class mm-hmm. right so there is a general reluctance for uh, signing signing for a new learning curve right there is a bit of skepticism and there is also some lack of trust so imagine when uh, online shopping was being adopted first first time by human race right of course so that's that's the kind of phase that farmers are typically seeing uh, with uh, with with new technology right so of course uh, it requires certain amount of uh, conversations communication to demolish that uh, that lack of trust thing right now so that's that's one challenge but of course uh, this this challenge is solvable right then uh, we need some push from local channel partners in order to navigate these challenges right so um, so 
if if uh, so we have tried kind of all different approaches with farmers and uh, and we have seen most result in in a b2b2c approach not a pure b2c approach right pure b2c is fine but uh, but then uh, things things move at a very slow pace and b2b2c can really speed and things up that has been our experience so uh, so any push from uh, local channel partners who are already uh, connected to farmer can really uh, help make um, things fast right and of course uh, there is a need to incentivize so 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 let's say new technology is being offered to a farmer right but without any uh, any incentive so farmer really needs to see some incentive and the topmost incentive uh, for any farmer is financial incentive topmost among other incentives right so so uh, if incentives are strong then of course uh, adoption would happen right but but in general uh, in this uh, segment at this point of time adoption of technology is a bit slow and and hence uh, and hence uh, people use digital right so so digital approach is uh, is currently what is giving results and of course we would expect a few years down the line a digital approach would 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 take over yeah yeah thanks uh, thanks a lot uh, pratmesh uh, i think uh, you have uh, you know brought out very uh, important aspects on technology and the power of b2b2c uh, as compared to power of b2c i think which is which is very very valid and also incentive i think is one of the key things and even if, if i can draw parallels even when the you know new wallets such as paytm and other came in, into uh, being uh one of the major reasons why uh, you know people started using it was was incentivization but but uh, as the solution grows and as the company grows whether we can continue it or no who will fund this uh, incentives that anyways becomes a, a question it's it's for us uh, to answer uh, anyways but thank you thanks pratmesh uh moving to uh, himendra uh so so keeping our focus on agtechs uh, right so we have seen many of these startups like say you know take a jay kisan or a dehat or a bijak or or anyone who offers different types of services and provides a, a bundled credit facility as well in which they themselves are are giving out credit or they are facilitating with the help of a financial institution at the back end uh, but but the key thing that i want to understand is uh, this whole discomfort of uh, the banks and financial institutions to partner with agtechs so uh, especially when they want to you know lend to smallholder farmers despite the comfort that is provided by technology you you see that there is you know some level of dis- discomfort from from these financial institutions can you talk a little bit more on this aspect and and, and why is this happening uh, is this because of the segment uh, that these agtechs target or because of the size or scale of these agtechs uh, or is it uh, the scale of operation or or is it something else uh, i mean your thoughts uh, emil yeah sreel i totally agree there is uh, i won't say discomfort but uh, i would say there is hesitation there are challenges to adoption of these new models and for various reasons which are valid right So if you look from a bank's lens, one is the challenge that you know no single startup is offering the holistic solution. You know, if you look at the entire loan process as I as I described earlier, from farmer onboarding to risk assessment to mitigation to recovery, you need to engage with multiple players. Right? There's no one single player which is giving you the entire solution. So if I'm a bank, I'm dealing with multiple vendors instead of one vendor. 
right? So I think that's the first and foremost. Second is also scale of finance. You know, all said and done, tech phase in India, I still would say is in a juvenile phase. You know, it's a toddler. We it's three to four year old, and most startups are trying to figure out their go-to-market strategies and scale their solutions to new products, new geographies. So you know, that's where banks become a little uh, uncomfortable that they don't see scale of finance. Right, for someone like uh, an SBI or a Canara or a PNB who have few thousand crore exposure to the sector, additional five crores, ten crores, fifteen crores, you know, they say you know we do so much of effort and what you land up is is additional loan book of five crores, ten crores. You know? So I think that's where they find it difficult how to push these solutions internally and make a case for it. So I think scale of finance uh, as of now is a challenge. It, it will change for good, but it is a challenge right now. Third element is risk sharing. Right? I think that's where I see a lot of challenges because all said and done, most ectech, most ec fintech don't have their books, you know, except for the NBFCs like Samunuti or Avanti Finance. You know, most most ectechs don't have their own book from which they can lend. Okay, so they have to partner with someone. Now, if you go to a bank, they say great, good solution, but you need to share the risk and this i think Pratmesh can also talk about it is this whole concept of first loss guarantee you know you have to provide that and it varies you know some banks are happy with 15% some with 20 some with 30% <laughs> that's a lot of money for a startup you know if you are taking a you know if you are getting a credit facility of 10 crores it means essentially you are blocking something like 2 to 3 crores now you have to just put it in your fixed deposit and give the lien to the bank right. because if something goes wrong, bank can uh, trigger it. You know, so that's where you know those challenges start coming. I don't think ninety-five uh, percent of techs or fintechs have the capability to give a large guarantee. They can do small bits. So I think these are the fundamental challenges uh, which I see in making this marriage happen. Been working very hard on it and. That gives me some confidence that you know it it will eventually catalyze, you know, it will eventually happen. And because banks and NBFC all said and done face a lot of pressure on, on PSL lending, they find it difficult. Lending for a 30,000 loan, they end up in incurring 3,000 rupees, right? So it, the loan becomes a non-starter, right? The whole uh, value which an act tag or act fintech brings in is you know they bring down the cost of lending transactional cost of farmer on boarding of uh, of loan recovery i think that's possible with with this solution so i think we it's a it's an evolving phase uh, i think we can play a very important role as msc as as bharat as ciiko you know how do we build a sandbox we need to create a sandbox where we get likes of Pratmesh, maybe let's say 10 or 15 such startups who have demonstrated the solution and at least 10 to 15 banks you know who are willing to partner with these uh, startups put them together figure out how, what kind of pilots they can do what kind of partnership they can develop but i think that sandbox is needed now uh, and that will hopefully accelerate uh, adoption of the solution that will also probably uh, uh, address some of the challenges and hesitation which banks have in partnering. 
uh, it does need hand holding with startups as well as with banks you know it's not a typical customer vendor relationship <laughs> you know if you go by conventional vendor uh, onboarding criteria of the large banks none of the tech would qualify on on net worth on profitability on <laughs> things like that right so you have to think out of the box and that's where i think there's an opportunity to build this right. sandbox uh, and you know catalyze some of this partnership so that instead of few years they can happen in months right right thanks a lot uh, himendra for your for your views i think uh, you make a you know few very very valid points and and in addition to actex i think these are some of the challenges uh, which you know other uh, fintechs also face i mean if we kind of draw parallels from uh, you know other lending fintechs uh, so i think it's it's uh, it's great and even before i ask my uh, next question i think you uh, already mentioned one of the points on on the uh, on the sandbox uh, which could be offered so my 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 question to to prathmesh to start off with is uh, while while the uh, agri startups revolutionize the space uh, prathmesh how do you i mean what do you think can policy makers and regulators do how can they kind of uh, play a more uh, catalyzing role in the agri financing ecosystem uh, and any any thoughts uh, because the government has been quite active when it comes to uh, farmers and that space you have seen the three agri bills and the kind of uproar which it has caused uh, right so i mean what is the i mean any any thoughts uh, on what policy makers and regulators need to do sure uh, that that's a very good question and uh, i definitely would not say that uh, create more funds and uh, and uh, announce new funds right it's not funds that are an issue uh, all governments have good intention irrespective of political uh, parties who are uh, at the center right and government institutions have really done good job example is rbi example is npca they are really doing good job npca in fact is very uh, approachable right uh, we we can get another uh, uh, npca is one one call away from us right and they are very receptive to feedback so uh, so i definitely not say uh, go along those lines right so uh, i would i would rather say some specific um, suggestions right where uh, where uh, where really a value can be created right so one is uh, of course along the along the direction of digitization so government has a lot of uh, existing channel right example is uh, district cooperative central bank and pax mechanism right so once uh, so they have been there for about 40 years and they have been doing uh, input financing for farmers so that data so once all that data becomes digitized and be, and comes uh, in in the recorded form right then of course uh, financial inclusion would be caused right so one one and, and of course so why only dccb packs right uh, ration card right so may, so so rather digitizing uh, entire data right computerizing digitizing that's definitely one area work is happening uh, rtc has been uh, largely digitized right but of course uh, this is uh, definitely uh, one one direction right so second would be about uh, partnering with uh, startups in general right to to solve many issues so together with startups government can solve a lot, lot of issues right for example we had a catch up with uh, nabard uh, uh, financial inclusion team right so they were pretty uh, happy to uh, find out that we are one of few startups who are working with uh, pax right and uh, and 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 the idea that was floated that came out in that conversation was essentially uh, uh, startups uh, providing uh, 
a platform right so startups uh, who are working with farmers and uh, fundamentally bringing in recoverability bringing in transparency uh, and uh, and and essentially data new data is also getting generated right so so uh, leveraging those kind of platforms and and even uh, streamline streamlining kisan credit card schemes right so so along these lines lot of values uh, can be added and an, another an, uh, another similar uh, lines right so uh, so the government receivable financing work that we did right so um, much more value can be created if uh, procuring agencies again arms of government right can partner with both banks and fintechs right and and uh, to sp uh, to speeden up uh, the entire payment from uh, from farm, uh, from customer perspective so uh, it can be a three party partnership so banks are providing financing and fintechs are essentially providing their entire platform process and system like like, like for example what we have created uh, which and and that channel can effectively uh, uh, on board uh, farmers and and provide them uh, um, immediate uh, payment against the government uh, purchases and also uh, that channel can bring them financial inclusion right so such kind of uh, partnerships or such kind of engagements and models uh, is is what uh, can can really be uh, be designed and it would help everyone yeah that is what i would say uh, okay thanks thanks a lot uh, prathamesh for your uh, views uh, himendra uh, finally to you uh, as well uh, with your rich experience of having worked with different types of actors in the agri space uh, starting from banks to fintechs to uh, the policy makers so so are, are there any uh, things which regulators and policy makers need to do in in uh, in addition to what uh, prathamesh mentioned oh absolutely i think there is a huge role to play uh, and i have uh, six or seven points one is i think a very larger issue of psl lending to agriculture i think at the very least government should segregate into personal loans to farmers and occupational loan to farmers and the reason i'm saying i'm not saying reduce psl allocation of course we should we should do whatever we can and government is increasing the allocation year on year which is good but i think if start segregating it will help a lot you know it will once we start capturing occupational loan which is that support seeds fertilizer agrochem cattle feed etc you are essentially capturing lot of input purchase the input data once you start capturing input data i can tell you that can you know that's so rich in uh, understanding the potential uh, harvest value right harvest schedules and the supply and demand shocks that we see in many crops especially in perishables this year soya has gone to 80 rupees from 40 rupees right you know so i think to to look at the challenge of reducing the price volatility we need to have a much better grip on supply and that's where i believe input digitization is one way to do it and and lending can be an anchor which can capture this data because majority of inputs in india are sold on credit so i think that's the first and foremost which can have uh, i think very very positive impact on the entire supply chain second which is very critical which is a need of the hour that government should open up public data sets available with them uh, to the start it's always a tricky issue uh, and there are always challenges with respect to privacy how the data is going to be used 
and I'm totally with regulators if they want to regulate the use of data and uh, to whom it is shared, etc. Fortunately, this technology which is available, which can build a consent layer so that data is not misused. But I think that is very important. The the power of data, you know, and fortunately, a lot of land record, for example, is getting digitized. Many state governments have done it. Some are doing it. Once you start opening it up, uh, you can build multiple applications over and above it. And lending to me is the largest use case. You know, all said and done, as you mentioned in your opening remarks, you know, 70% of farmers don't have access to institutional credit. Borrowing at like 3% per month to 5% per month, you know, how you can make money if you have annual interest rate is like 50, 60%, right? Which industry would make money at that interest? I think that is the biggest use case if you can channelize data available with the government for the purpose of lending in partnership with banks as well as startups who know how to mine the data. Third is I would say uh, focus on asset creation. Unfortunately, asset creation in agriculture is not picked up quite you know at, at the pace at, as it should. And I'm a big believer of microprocessing, farm level processing, farm level value addition. If you have to really increase farmer income you need to add value closer to the farm. You know, we need to, farmer need to be selling products and brands instead of selling commodities. You know, that is the solution. And for that, there has to be value addition, whether it's a flour mill, whether it's a oil mill, whether it's a, just a cold store or a primary pro processing facility for packing, sorting, etc. These are not very heavy capex, 2000 to 2 lakh, you know, Dehydration, there are dehydrators available at 2000 rupees, right? So I think when the value they add is significant. So I think we should try and build uh, assets in the agricultural value chain, essentially owned by the farmers or FPOs or village level entities. And I see a huge potential for asset financing companies uh, which can come up, which can do this financing, let's say, micro warehouses, cold storages, dehydrators. Uh, bulk meal, bulk meal coolers. So I think this is where the opportunity is. Uh, then I would say a post-harvest lending. As I said, it varies between five to ten billion dollar. Where our output value of crops alone is about two fifty to three hundred billion dollar. So it's like a drop in the ocean. Right? And farmer is not going to store his produce if the financing is not available because there's a huge pressure to liquidate immediately after the harvest. So how do we enable post-harvest financing? And a lot of people have tried it, a lot of collateral management companies, warehousing companies, but there are challenges, stock um, <laughs> gets spoiled, stock gets lost, stock gets stolen. But fortunately, there is technology available. It's, you know, you know, we, another, we have in this our financial inclusion lab, we have another startup called World, who's, uh, who's demonstrated that a lot of uh, post-harvest lending can be done uh, and a lot of challenges which we typically see can be taken care of with the use of technology like blockchain, etc. So I think we should push hard on post-harvest lending. Uh, whenever we think of farmer financing, we think of crop loans, but I think there's there are multiple elements to it. Uh, then I would say, uh, you know, use lending as a measure for uh, diversifying uh, farm income, huh? which is typically from crops. So if you, let's say, for example, make cattle loans, available. I'm sure the focus on dairy will go up. And if you go to any farmer who's in dairy, typically women farmers, this is their lifetime ambition to buy one more cow. 
a typical cow costs eighty thousand rupees, which is a hybrid, uh, you know, crossbred uh, cow, and they need probably fifty thousand rupees for for buying a additional cow. But that has a substantial impact on her income. Uh, fortunately, milk is sold on a daily basis, so it's not that you have to wait for the end of the crop cycle to recover your loan. You can build models where you can tie up with dairy companies or procuring so that the cash they collect. uh from the farmers some part of it can be settled in paying the loan so to me it, it can be very interesting intervention so how do we use lending products for diversifying farm income so that the farmers dependence on income from crops reduces i think that is the role lending can play uh tax uh, sorry, sorry uh, another challenge which we see is this loan uh, waiver issue and i think both of you highlighted it i am not against loan waivers uh, in some cases farmers genuinely deserve the loan waiver but instead of making it political make it i would say data driven which is possible so why would a loan need to be waived because there is a extreme weather event right there were floods there were droughts there were some uh, very high temperature which kind of spoiled the crop or there could be price volatility you know price shocks like we see in onions and potatoes and tomatoes on a regular basis so i think again with technology we can build uh systems which can figure out a uh, you know triggers for loan waiver using the data you know so and we can map whole of india fortunately we have like so imd and multiple weather data services providers now there's no big deal to get the data on weather right there's the how 7000 mandis so there's no big deal to get the data on prices of commodities so can we build a framework which can say look these five villages in telangana or these seven villages in bihar or these two villages in west bengal had an unusual event which probably calls for loan waiver right so let's not link loan waiver to the next election or leave it to <laughs> to, to to political parties to decide on i know it's a it's a tricky issue but that's that's where rbi can play a role you know data driven objective loan waiver policy so that there is no one has the discretion to do it on their own right and i think that will bring lot of objectivity and that will bring lot of discipline among farmers to pay loan on time last but not the least one thought i want to leave uh, for everyone to think about i think we need to be thinking now another class of capital which i call climate capital you know all said and done uh, we've been fortunate that we have enough food uh, we are not into a challenging situation uh, for many many years now and that's why we take it for granted that there will always be enough food for us to uh, feed the population but i see the situation changing dramatically in next 10 years and to me 2021 to 2030 is a critical decade in the history of indian agriculture because of the arising climate risk uh, be it uh, unusual weather events uh, we are already seeing you know of course we get a good monsoon but look at the distribution of monsoon across days and across regions it has become very very uh, i would say very difficult pattern to uh, track uh, it's it's uh, it's becoming more unpredictable and that's not good for the crops so uh, so there are challenges on account of weather soil health you know 
whether it's NPK ratio, whether it is salinity or acidity in soil, whether it is microbial population in soil, all is a big, big challenge. That's why we are not seeing any significant productivity improvement uh, because soil health is deteriorating. Water stress, 80% of water used in agriculture, significant part being groundwater. And despite successive good monsoons, uh, a groundwater is depleting because the rate of discharge is far higher than the rate of replenishment. So clearly climate risk is knocking at our door. We should accept it. We should recognize it. And that's where I call climate capital incentivize farmers who are willing to adopt climate resilient practices around water use efficiency, around energy efficiency, around labor efficiency. Again, I would say 10 years back, it would have been, oh, how will we capture the data? How will we build those incentives? But we are in 2021 and thank, thankfully there are <laughs> hundreds and thousands of uh, startups and cop companies and corporates who are capturing data. So it's no big deal to model these financing products because you can uh, capture those data points. Let's say water table at the start of the crop cycle, water table at the end of the crop cycle. Yes, you can capture this data. Can you build incentive over and above it? So I think climate capital has to come in force. Like in PSL lending, you know, the, the, the rate is 7% on loans. And if farmer pays on time, it's 4%. I would say, can we build incentive for farmers who are doing climate resilient practices? And if they're borrowing at 7%, if they meet certain climate objectives, which are well-defined, can, can we reduce that rate from 7% to 5%? Give incentive for farmers to save water and save other natural resources, which are there. I know it's very... Probably I, you can call, call it very early thinking, but I think time is now. It's, uh, it's, it's extremely important for us to address climate issues. And I think financing has a huge role to play in building the solutions and deepening the solutions among the farming community. So these are two recommendations from my end okay. for regulators Thanks. and banks. Sure. Thanks a lot, uh, Himendra, for these uh, thoughts. I think the the climate capital was, one was really cool and it was uh, like really out of the box and it, it was uh, requires a lot of innovative thinking maybe on how we do it and how we structure the entire thing around it. But I think it will add a real value add uh, to the farmers uh, considering the, the climatic vagaries. Uh, so thank you both of you for this uh, in, insightful uh, chat and it has been a pleasure to talk to you. Um, and, and India is rising to prominence uh, as a laboratory for ag tech innovation in Asia. And with nearly 1.4 billion uh, mouths to feed, uh, I think the Indian agri-food market is of extraordinary size. Um, also, uh, India also provides huge commercial opportunities to ag tech innovators, which we have uh, seen. Right. And uh, with this scorching uh, pace at which the AgTech is growing uh, in India, we hope that this collaboration between the AgTechs and the banks uh, provides value to farmers uh, who are the real backbone to the sector. So, so with this uh, thought, uh, I would like to uh, uh, you know, call it uh, a day. Thanks a lot for your thoughts. Thank you very much.